Welcome to By the Fiberside, a knitting and spinning podcast from somewhere in the western half of Canada. Episode 62, Different Paths. I got back from Fiber Week just in time for the logger sports competition taking place Friday through Sunday here. On the drive back from the ferry terminal, the smell of fresh sawdust came through the car windows, and people gathered in the beach parking lot to examine the chainsaw carvings in progress. Bleachers were set up in front of large, tall poles, and the local paper touted events like underhand chop, single buck, and springboard. I wonder sometimes if the wide-eyed wonder I feel when confronted by something I find fascinating but know absolutely nothing about is how other people feel if they happen to wander onto the old college campus during Fiber Week. They come expecting to tour the beautiful gardens and wetlands, and instead find themselves unexpectedly immersed in a world of worsted, woolen, wheels, and weaving. Do some of them find it interesting? Do they go talk to vendors, students, teachers, or staff about what they've stumbled upon? Or do they ignore it as best they can as they walk through campus, examining flowers and reading signs, and paying as little attention as possible to the little bits of sheep's wool caught on the occasional bush or branch? I sometimes look back in wonder at how I came to be where I am today, a podcaster and fiber arts instructor. I remember my mother teaching me to crochet and making placemats. I remember ordering my first proper knitting kit from Mary Maxim. I remember relearning to knit from books and with fun fur yarn when I moved to Edmonton. I remember the first time I really saw someone spinning and thinking that it looked interesting. I remember my first attempts with a drop spindle. And I remember my buying my first wheel. I remember someone I came to look up to coming into my level one class and saying, Oh look, the class of 2017. I remember teaching my first knitting class as the primary instructor. I remember deciding to start a podcast and taking three days to come up with a good name. I remember finishing my in-depth study, and I remember the college offering me level three and feeling like a total imposter at that point. And suddenly I am here, just wrapped up another Fiber Week instructing level six, writing another essay, and wondering what the future will hold for me. The path people take to and through their passions is as individual as the person. Every student that came to Fiber Week had their own reason for being there, their own hurdles to overcome, their own purpose for the path they have chosen to take. For some, it leads through the Master Spinner and Weaver programs. For others, it is through courses of interest. And for even more, it's just the simple act of being there, surrounded by others who enjoy the same things, that helps them be re-inspired about their fiber arts for the next year. And what of those who simply stumble upon it? Could coming across Fiber Week and seeing the passion and joy that Fiber Arts brings us inspire them to take the tentative first steps down a different, fibery path? It's possible. But in a lot of ways, the timing has to be right. When I consider the series of events that led me here, I wonder at how much came down to chance. Would I have become the person I am today if my friend had not brought her spinning wheel to our knitting group? What if I'd never answered that Ravelry post asking for people in the city I lived in to help teach a beginner knitting class when I was only a beginner myself? 
What if I had given up on the never-ending Afghan of doom? What if I had never branched beyond cross-stitch after my hands gave out? My path could have been very different with different choices and circumstances. And yet, I made those choices, and they have led me to where I am today. When I was very young and on a family vacation in British Columbia, my parents took my sister and I to a logger sports competition. I remember nothing of it, of course. My only recollection is looking at the photographs my mom put in a photo album of our adventures once we returned. But with the people here today using axes and saws and competing in different events, I wonder if they look back on their path through their passion the way I have. What was the first step for them? Do they love the smell of sawdust as much as I love the feel of wool? Have they bandaged up splinters the way I've bandaged up combing injuries? Did they come across a logger sports event sometime in their youth and decide that was the path for them? Or did they come to it by a more circuitous route? I may never get a chance to ask, but I'm sure that the answer would be fascinating. No matter what the passion, the path that leads us here has the makings of a great story. Thanks for listening. This is By the Fiberside. Fiber Week. I pretty much slept all day yesterday. Fiber Week's always great. It really is. But it's always tiring. And, uh, and this was a seven-day Fiber Week because I was teaching level six, which is, of course, seven days instead of five. And I knew I'd been kind of burning the candle at both ends when I woke up Friday morning and couldn't open my eyes, even though I was awake. So... Anyway, I managed to make it home, 13-hour travel day, but I still made it home. But yesterday, I basically spent most of the day sleeping, and I'm getting a cold. I've got a sore throat, so even though it's very warm outside, I am sitting here with a silk scarf around my neck. So if I'm a little creaky in my voice, that's probably why. But it was a really, really wonderful week. Uh, The students were amazing. They had lots of really good ideas. They really rose to all the challenges that we set for them. And we set a few. We we gave them some not normal-ish fibers for some of the assigned skeins, and and they they still did a really, really awesome job. And all of their in-depth study topics that they're thinking about doing are really, really interesting. So I know they probably won't need much of my help, but I'm really looking forward to helping them with whatever they need. To get through the next year and then marking their in-depth studies at the end. So that was great. I, uh, I bought a couple colors of green merino to blend with the angora uh, that I talked about last time. So I'm still deciding what to do with that. I have to like sketch out. I didn't have any time in the evenings. I don't know why I thought I would but I have to sketch out how I'm going to approach learning more about Angora, how I'm going to approach the blending and, and all of that. But I also had another idea. So in the middle of, you know, doing that little bit of research and, and such about Angora, I also, and I had this idea for my end up study, but I never really felt confident enough in it to propose it as a topic. I'm feeling a little bit better about it now. So now I want to start doing a study for myself. And I want to start looking at the 
relationship between twists per inch, angle of twist, and the thickness of the yarn or the singles. Because that's one of the things I noticed when I was marking skeins, especially the twists per inch skeins this past week, was uh, they ran the gamut. The lower twist per inch skein was really, really interesting because I had some people spin very thick and some people spin not quite so thick. So the yarn itself was extremely airy, but it still held together with a minimal minimum of twist. So it was very interesting. And I think that's one of the things that's actually missing from the program is to help students understand that relationship between the, the diameter of their singles and twist per inch and the angle of twist. So I want to start somehow putting together a catalog almost of this. So I need obviously a, a longer wool for the lower twist per inch skeins, a nice medium wool for the mid-grade, fine probably closer to the end. I might be able to get all the way through with mid-grade and then of course a silk for the really high twists per inch. And I'm still deciding if I want to do like a two-ply and a three-ply or if I'm just going to stick with a two-ply yarn to start and see how all of those go together because most of the yarns you spin in the program are two-ply so I think that would be actually more useful. So for both of those things I have to sit down and kind of write up a write up a plan, write up a, a study plan to figure out how I'm going to do it. I came home with some Polworth and some Merino roving from class. We had to order a kilogram of this stuff just because of the supplier and we only used 500 grams for class supplies so my friend Kara and I split the remainder because uh, she was teaching the other level 6 class. So and I have a bunch of other uh, fibers here so I just have to sort of sit down and make a plan for both of these. But I think I think the results of certainly the the TPI angle of twist um, grist study will be fascinating because that is something I don't quite have my head around. I kind of have my head around it, but I need to sit down and be a, a more technical spinner for quite some time. Now, my lendrum. It's on its way back. It should be coming back to this side of the country today. I was rooming with a, a lovely weaving instructor who lives about an hour's drive if you don't count the ferry ride I'd, I have to take away. And my suitcase was already overweight when I tried to fly here. And then they sent me home with their the Olds College copy of my in-depth study. And so it just kind of, it was not going to be pretty to <laughs> to get my suitcase on the plane. So she very kindly offered to drive um, my wheel back to this side of the coast. So next week I'll go get it. Now, I never had a chance to sort of sit down with anybody else's Lendrum, but there were three students in my class with Lendrums, and I was kind of fascinated to note that at some point during the week, all three of them started up with that exact squeak. So, I am not going to send it to Ontario. I am just going to probably oil it uh, and see if that helps once we get it back and just work through it. So I will be measuring my ratios for all of my flyers and making up a plan to start this T 
TPI, angle of twist, and grist study. I'm, I'm actually kind of excited about it. You know, I'm, I'm excited, and I, this is going to be a long-term thing, but, but I think that catalog is going to be really useful, not just to myself, but to other spinners as well. So that is Fiber Week. I'm still tired, obviously. So let's move on to the Level 3 Final Project. The Level 3 Final Project is a 50-hour project, and... It has to be protein, I believe. Let me check here. Oh no, you can do wool, silk, or cotton. So you could do cotton in your level three final project if you wanted to. And you can nature dye it. That obviously has changed a little bit. You can dye any of your final projects now. We just don't need to know anything about it. And we're not teaching you how to dye. 50 hours of work. So what I decided to do was, because I really enjoyed the 25 colors out of one dye pot so much, I decided to kind of recreate that. Except I didn't have access to rhubarb, so I couldn't make oxalic acid, so I just did a 20 color scarf. And I decided to weave it, and this was like my fourth weaving project ever, so that might have been... No, well, not a mistake, but... I. I'm still very much a beginner weaver, and so I made a lot of beginner weaver mistakes, and I continue to make a lot of beginner weaver mistakes. So I didn't spin enough weft, and I didn't spin enough warp, and I didn't dye enough of anything, and so I had to change my I had to change my ends per inch on the warp from 12 and a half as I'd planned to 7.5, so it's a very loosely woven scarf. I decided to do a blend for my warp. It is merino, 60% merino, 40% tussa silk, and just straight Polworth for my weft. And it, I, the whole, the project itself turned out really nice. And this, I think this goes for every final project that anybody, well, I shouldn't say that. Many final projects that are created for the program run into problems. Certainly all of mine did. So I ran into some issues with the spinning, just not estimating correctly. Somehow or another, and I still haven't figured this out, the one singles of my warp yarn had more twist in it than the other singles, so it was very much energized. Super weird. Uh, I was spinning on my Joy at the time, uh, so it could have popped down one ratio without my noticing. That's the only thing I can think of uh, for this to happen. But anyway, very energized. Very fun. Really fun to work with when you're weaving, too. Hmm. My dye stock was thin. I didn't start it soon enough. And uh, I only soaked it for a few hours, like 14 or 15 before simmering. Uh, but I still got really nice colors. They're mostly on the brown side, not on the red side. So there is that. But I mean, overall, the scarf itself is lovely. It has a nice hand. The, the contrast between the Polworth and the Merino and Tussa, because it's 40% silk, it, you know, it has a really a good strength to it and it's really squishy. And the fringe, the fringe twist really kind of shows <laughs> how energized the warp is. So 50 hours, 
I came in at 56 hours with this project, and that was with the spinning and the dyeing and the warping and the weaving. Now, weaving is faster than knitting, so if I had planned to do uh, a knit scarf, I probably, probably shouldn't have dyed it or had only spun, you know, um, one of the yarns instead of both. But 50 hours, it doesn't sound like a lot. Actually, it sounds like a lot, but it really isn't. When you think about, you have to, you have to plan, spin, in this case, die, and then create the final project. It's very easy to fill 50 hours. 75, which is level four, that got a little tricky for me, but I managed to figure it out. So 50 hour project, I wove a scarf and it filled the 50 hours. So if you're in level three and you're kind of approaching your final project, keep that in mind. It doesn't have to be a massive project, especially if you're going to do the knee dyeing with it. But yeah, it has to be on the substantial side, not a sweater, not fingerless mittens, kind of in, in between there somewhere. And with that, we are done level three. Thrilling. We move on to level four in the next episode. And level four, when I, whenever I tell people about, you know, the arc of the Master Spinner program, I always say that level three is you spin specific yarn and level four, you spin luxury yarn. So we're going to get into some of the luxury fibers, figure out how to spin those. And Gore is not till level five, but we talk about cashmere, uh, bison, yak, all the other fun things. So we'll get into that in the next episode. Fiber notes. Between the traveling and sitting in the townhouse at Fiber Week, I did get a little bit done on other things. But not a lot. Again, I don't know why I think I'm going to get all this stuff accomplished at Fiber Week, because I never do. But I'm on to the fourth pattern repeat of the hand towel that I'm reverse engineering. I, uh, I showed it around at Fiber Week. Everybody was really, really fascinated by how soft the cotton was. And I told them it was dishcloth cotton. They didn't quite believe me. So, so that was fun. And I made it up to the thumb gusset on my nephew's fingerless mittens, but I got a little stuck on the instructions for how now to increase. I don't think I'm parsing it correctly, so I'm letting it sit for a bit, working on some other things, and then I'll come back to it. But hopefully when I get back to it, I'll be able to figure out what it means and how to, how to do the thumb increase correctly, because then after that, it's easy. For Tour de Fleece, I did finish spinning the first bobbin. Uh, I didn't spin it, finish spinning it before Tour de Fleece started. I did finish it on the first day. And then I had a chance to start the, uh, the second half, and I'm about a quarter of the way through, give or take. I, uh, again, didn't have a ton of time to spin at Fiber Week, but on the travel day back home, I had a three-hour wait at the ferry because I got to the ferry terminal just in time to see the ferry pulling away. I waved goodbye to it, and the next ferry wasn't and was it for another three hours. So, so I sat out on the the waiting area with the picnic table, and I 
I spun. Had a few lovely conversations with people about my hands in and spinning in general, so so that was lovely. I'm going to try and get a little bit done each day. Again, tired, possibly getting sick. That could really impact my productivity over this tour de fleece, but again, I'm going to give it a shot. I, of course, came home with some fiber from Fiber Week, because I always do, even though I say I'm not going to. Uh, My dad ended up winning one of the gift certificates for the Merchant Mall. Of course, he was a merchant at the Merchant Mall, so um, I just, he gave it to me. So I went and spent it, and I got a couple of braids, dyed braids, from my friend Kara at Spin Heart Spin. They are really lovely. One's purple, and one is sort of this gold, gold through brown. Kind of my colors. I also ended up with some Polworth from Lynn Anderson at West Coast Color because I always get something from Lynn. It doesn't matter. She's set up right across from my dad all the time, and so she always gets me with something. But that was the limit of my purchases, except for the mystery box. There's a there's a fundraiser every year, or it has been for the last several years, at Fiber Week, where for a donation of a minimum of $15, you can get a mystery box. And you have a year to take what's in the mystery box and make something, come back, put it into competition with everybody else's, what they've come up with, and I'm, there's some sort of prize at the end of it. But really, it's about the challenge. So I, the last few years, mystery boxes have been sold out by the time I get there, but this year I got one. And I have no idea what to do. It's a, a little bit of Falkland, dyed by Lynn Anderson. It's sort of a deep pinky burgundy. And then some Tussa silk and some Angora. So I'm going to use some of my, you know, uh, my Angora study that I'm going to be doing to figure out what to do with the Angora. But I, I'm looking at this going, mm, I'm not 100% sure what to do with it. I mean, there's a part of me that thinks maybe making a little kind of stuffy that might have some sort of like fuzzy bit with the Angora, but then there's the Tussa to consider. I'm just going to have to sit with it for a while. I have a year now, so I will figure it out. I'm I'm not going to totally stress about it right now. I'm going to figure out how Angora works and how to play with it. And then I will get into the mystery box at that point. But yeah... I think uh, Jane Deerdorf, who's the one that organizes the mystery box every year, just loves to give us challenges. I think when I talked to her about it, she got this wicked gleam in her eye and she started to laugh. Thanks, Jane. But every year people come up with really interesting things. So I will uh, I will sit with it and I'll figure something out. So assuming I don't get too terribly sick, I'm hopeful that I will be... Because by the, by the next episode, we'll be pretty close to the end of Tour de Fleece. I will hopefully be, again, may, maybe playing at that point. I would really, really like that uh, on that, uh, that wedding shawl project. And we'll see where I'm at with everything else. By the Wayside. spent one night working on the accolade while at Fiber Week. 
I finished off what I was go- what I wanted to get done for the redoing the backstitch around the the falcon emblem on the back of the knight's tunic. I'm supposed to do the half moon in the center as well. I've decided not to just because I think it looks fine the way it is. But as I was working on it and telling my roommates about this particular project, they suggested that I didn't actually have to finish it, you know. Sometimes these things are not meant to be. And it would be okay to just, you know, give it away or burn it. And uh, I gave it some serious thought. But I decided that no, I, I think I really do want to finish this project, no matter how frustrating it is. But I think a good piece of that is going to be changing my attitude towards it. And I think my what I, what I said before about making my best guess, if it's wrong, it's wrong, and leaving it, will go a long way towards that. And I think also getting more things done, getting through the annoying bits like two strands of iridescent filament, I think that will also go a long way towards improving my attitude towards this project. So I think I'm going to move on to the Knight's Chainmail. This is only one strand of iridescent filament and two strands of cream floss. There's a lot of it though. I think his entire sleeve is pretty much full of this um, chainmail pattern. So if I get that done by the next episode, I will be very, very happy. Thank you for joining me for episode 62. By the Fiberside is a bi-weekly podcast, and I look forward to bringing you episode 63 on July 28, 2019. Show notes for this episode can be found at www.bythefiberside.com. Join the discussion on Facebook or Ravelry. If you need to get in touch with me directly, you can email me at bythefiberside, that's F-I-B-R-E, at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. This is By the Fiberside.